Welcome to the one and only Circle City Sediment with your host and the one and only Zach Griffith. Hello. Welcome back to Circle City Cinema. The Disgusting Brothers are back to discuss the episode Honeymoon States. I am your host, Zach Griffith, and I'm joined by the founder, Alex Burr. Alex, how are we doing? I'm doing great, Zach. I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk this episode. Um, Probably the most important episode after a big episode in the history of Succession. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, probably the best episode of the series. Last week, now, a nice little bounce back episode. Uh, Some power shifting, Alex, you could feel it. You could feel it. Kendall, in particular, you know, the the golden boy in the pilot episode had some things happen to him. Also did some things to himself that got in his way. Now, the sea is parting, and he is... He's taking charge. He's taking control. Yes. Kendall, I don't think anyone came out. Well, other than maybe someone we'll talk about later in the episode, you know who I have in mind. I don't think anyone came out stronger in this episode. Um, Someone is having a stronger season than Kendall, and that someone's name starts with K and ends in Arl. Um, But other than him, (laughs) no one's having a stronger season than Kendall, I would say. Kendall is really getting his shit together at the right time. Um, and he's honestly, I, I'm going to bring another, we, we like to compare our HBO shows. You and I do. Yes. It's honestly becoming a little Tyrion esque with Kendall where he's doing like his own impression of his father, not like, you know, imitating his father. But, really like, dealing. Exactly. And making moves behind the scenes conniving almost and i think it's brilliant writing absolutely brilliant writing and um kendall <laughs> what a great episode for him but we'll talk we'll talk more about it later but just man i loved kendall in this episode i loved i shiv you know shivs if you've been listening to the last couple of episodes shivs not our absolute favorite character but she got kind of a raw deal in this episode she knows um, she did too yeah, well, I I guess I I don't know where you want to take it, Zach. But was it underlined or was it crossed out, or should we save that for later? <laughs> I, I'm going underlined. I'm going underlined. I did see a tweet uh, with a picture of that, and the caption was uh, "The Emmy should go to whoever drew this." <laughs> I mean, it is hard to decipher. I, I mean, what what do you think it was? I personally thought he was crossing it out, especially if the timeline of the O is what I think it is. And you and I have discussed, we don't know exactly what the timeline is. It's a little shaky. Um, what exactly the timeline is now? I saw something, I saw an interview where they were saying this season is, or I think I saw it was a tweet too. Apologies. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but basically this season is just a series of 10 days, <laughs> like back to back days. Which is insane storytelling. Most stories, like especially TV seasons, don't go that approach. Um, and usually you know how much time has elapsed in between episodes and whatnot. But I, I think it's honestly brilliant 
because there's so much stakes going on, especially with the death of Logan um, and the election coming up and the sale of Gojo or the sale of Waystar to Gojo. It's honestly so much spiraling that I think the timeline this season makes a lot of sense for what they're trying to do for the show. Yeah, I agree. And back to Kendall, you're getting the full Kendall experience in this episode, uh, at least from the business side. I mean, he is flexing his business savvy here. Like we said, wheeling and dealing, whether it's Hugo, whether it's uh, Roman, whether it's the board, whether it's even his dad, his dearly departed dad, he's he's taking he's taking after Logan. It's it's what dad would do. It's what he says when um you know when they try to launch the smear campaign, which we'll get into on that. But it's the full Kendall experience in this episode. You know, Alex, we had a Clippers Suns game a couple of days ago. They called it the the full Westbrook experience. You get the highs and the lows. Now we're getting the full Kendall experience in this in this one. It's it's been a great been a great season for him, and I think it's just going to take off right from from well, here on out. I suppose my question is, what kind of drugs are we going to be taking on the full Kendall experience? <laughs> well, I think we've uh, done all of them to this point, so I don't think anything's off the table. This. Just real, we didn't talk about this um, when we were talking about like our succession experiences earlier. But that scene when he, I don't remember what season it was in. I don't remember what episode it was in. So forgive me. It's the details are a little vague, but you'll know what scene I'm talking about. When Roman goes to get him from that, like, guys, the drug dealer's house. Yeah. Is one of like the, like, most captivating scenes I've ever seen. Because it's just like so it seems so real, just like you're trying to get your brother out of this situation. And I'm pretty sure that was in a part of the show where they were estranged when he was. If I had to remember, I think it was in season two. It was. Yes. Yes. And it was that was because he did. uh, the. I forget what he did. But yes, they weren't talking. I know that much. Yes. And it was like just absolutely I don't even know the right word to say, but it was the show does a good job of like showing what real life things are like and real life situations are like. And, you know, if we're going to get the full Kendall experience, that's going to happen at some point. The question is the come down is going to happen at some point. The question is when, not if, but we'll be here for the ride. Um, Yeah, that's that's all I have to say on that. <laughs> well, things we've seen lately, Alex. Uh, what do you have? Because I got a couple. One in particular, I'm I'm kind of excited to talk about. So, um, I actually meant to talk about this on the last episode, but um, we I think we were so, you know, <laughs> what happened with the last episode kind of overshadowed it, and right. I kind of forgot to talk about it. Um, I went and saw the Dungeons and Dragons movie with Chris Pine. I don't know anything about the original Dungeons and Dragons story. And also I've heard the original one with um, Jeremy Irons was kind of a shit show. But I have to say the move, the new movie with Chris Pine enjoyable, um, like a solid seven out of ten. I don't know if I'd watch it again, but, you know, in the movie theater, everything's enhanced. You know, everything, you know, I love the movie theater. 
the movie theater is probably my favorite place in the world. Um, so I, I, I like the movie. It was like smart. It was, you know, a little funny. It was quick or quick. Not really. It was a little longer than I probably wanted it to be. And some of the action sequences were like ripoffs. One of the, I'll just say one of the action sequences was kind of a ripoff of, um, (laughs) the cap Bucky Tony fight in civil war. (laughs) If you watch the movie, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, but nevertheless, I did enjoy it. Um, it takes a lot for me to come out of a movie theater experience and being like that sucked. So, but again, it was good. I was like, probably not something I'd watch again. The other movie I've watched recently, I watched Talladega Nights. I know I probably talk about that movie on this show, probably more than any other guest talks about any other movie, but that movie just hits every single time. And can I just say, I, I, I talk about something different from that movie every time. Molly Shannon, in that movie is fucking hilarious, <laughs> especially when she gets wasted before the big race and she's just like mouth kissing all of the uh, race sponsors. And she's like, hi, how you doing? <laughs> she's like yeah. mouth kissing all the sponsors. Um, <laughs> and then it's just like, okay, you can relax now. And she's just like tongue kissing. It's she, I don't know why she's not in more stuff or why she wasn't in more stuff. If she was like around today, I think she'd probably be a bigger star. Um, which is weird because saying that for someone who was on SNL, but I think she kind of got lost in that shuffle a little bit. Like some people who are on SNL do, but, and I, I, I think I say this every time I talk about the movie too. John C. Riley in Talladega nights, absolute best part of the movie, especially when he calls him up. Yeah. <laughs> when he calls him up, he's like, how do you turn the stereo system off? Oh, you know, you just got to. Why am I talking to you? I don't even like you anymore. You sure, man. I just need help turning off the stereo system. It's like the se- the sequence after he steals Cal or um, Ricky's wife. It just everything about that movie is perfect. I will defend that movie until I die. Probably one of my 10 favorite movies of all time. So what have you seen lately, Zach? Michael Clark Duncan also really good in that movie. Yes. As uh as the crew as the crew chief. Him and him and John C. Riley's playing off each other in the um you will you were not paralyzed scene, which everyone knows, I think. <laughs> they have amazing chemistry in that scene. No, he has Rest to know. In peace. Yeah, he Rest has to know. <laughs> Rest in peace, Michael Clark Michael Clark Duncan, gone too soon. Gone exactly. way too soon, but yeah, phenomenal film. One of my favorite Feral movies. No, uh, no question about that. Alex, the one I've been wanting to talk about. I saw this on Tuesday night with my dad, and I'm ready to say, out of the 2023 releases so far, I believe this is the best movie I have seen this year, and it's Air. The Air Jordan biopic, if you will, uh, directed by Ben Affleck, starring Matt Damon and Ben Affleck uh, with their new production company that they started, Artist Equity. Alex, this movie was fucking awesome. This movie was fucking awesome. I'm probably going to buy it when it comes out. Probably going to buy it when it comes out. Chris Tucker, really good in this. Jason Bateman, really good. Viola Davis as Michael Jordan's mom, Dolores. Phenomenal. Handpicked by MJ himself. 
to play his mom, Viola Davis. MJ. Was it great casting director? Was it going to be anyone other than Viola Davis or Angela Bassett, though? Great <laughs> <laughs> casting can't... director. <laughs> better, I mean, caster, better, better casting director than NBA owner, that's for sure. Wow. Hey, that's not a really high bar, Zach. I mean, <laughs> I I want to see this movie. I've been very busy. Man, it's, you know. it's really good. I, I mean, I don't. I don't even own a pair of Jordans, but after seeing this, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta buy a pair. The movie focuses. Matt Damon's playing Sonny Vaccaro, right? Yeah, Matt Damon plays Sonny Vaccaro. Ben Affleck plays Phil Knight. Uh, and a really interesting choice they made, and you might call it ballsy at first, but then after you see the movie, it makes total sense. You, you, you only see Michael Jordan from the back. He only has a couple speaking lines. And when I was walking out of the movie, I was like, that's probably a really good decision because the weight of a historical figure like that in a movie could really hinder the story you're trying to tell. And that was a really good choice by Affleck. My point is, I love this movie because Affleck is back as a director. He is back. He's one of the... I think he's a really good director. He's only made one bad movie out of five, I think. I think this was his fifth movie. Um, him and Damon are back writing movies together. Really good time, Alex. Only only good things happen when those two get together. Um. So you're saying... Let me, let me ask you a question. Okay. Is there a scene where they're on a construction site and they're holding beers... And Ben Affleck is telling him that if he's still living at his mom's house in 20 years, he's going to kill him. Is that, is that, no, there isn't, there (sighs) isn't, uh, there are some scenes where Affleck threatens to fire Damon multiple times, uh, or Damon makes fun of, uh, Phil Knight's, uh, Buddhist sayings that he says a lot. Uh, just, it's just really, can I, can I ask you a really question? Great like, chemistry. Uh, how much did you know about Sonny Vaccaro going into this movie? Barely anything. Barely anything. But I mean, it was. It was I was very impressed by this movie. Uh, like I said, probably gonna buy it. Uh, and I, I would see it again tomorrow. Honestly, I would. So Zach, I, I just gotta I gotta ask, how much did you know about Sonny Vaccaro? I obviously you know Phil Knight. Phil Knight's been, been omnipresent in sports, you know, for a while now. But Sonny Vaccaro, I I'm just curious, how much did you know about him going into this movie? Yeah. Really, barely anything. Uh, I knew he did a lot of campaigning for athletes rights uh, in terms of making money off their likeness, but didn't know, didn't know his involvement in this. That's for sure. I mean, he's also the one he kind of discovered LeBron. He kind of, if you look at like basketball, like prep basketball history, like Sonny Vaccaro is probably one of the like five most influential people there is. 
so you know it's really cool that he got to be played by matt damon um if anyone in the basketball world deserves it it's probably him um i don't know who you would cast to play like the you know the great ones right like i don't know who you'd cast to play lebron i don't know who you'd cast to play michael right like you were talking about earlier like i think it's a good point by you i haven't even seen the movie but if you like, I think Chadwick Boseman had that problem coming out of 42 almost where for a while he was just Jackie Robinson. And we saw later, he just kind of became black Panther and then kind of had a different sort of problem, but it's, it's better than the original problem <laughs> where he right. was like being looked at as, you know, as a historical figure, which when you play it, those historical figures can be great, but, and he, I don't, I don't think anyone would disagree. Um, Chadwick did a great job playing Jackie, but no one was coming out of that movie saying that Harrison Ford, no one's like, oh my gosh, that's Branch Rickey. <laughs> They're like, oh my no, gosh, it's Harrison no. Ford. <laughs> right. So I, I think that's a great point by you, especially, you know, more people know who Jackie Robinson is than Branch Rickey. More people know who Michael Jordan is than Sonny Vaccaro. So I, I agree. What else good have you seen lately? Well, that was the main one I wanted to hit. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, go see it. Go see it. it I just That's all I can say. Just go see that movie. I, I maintain it's the best movie I've seen this year. Uh, and then some shows I've been watching. Mando finale. Uh, really good. I was happy with the ending. Ted Lasso. I'm finally all caught up on that. Um, and that that last season's going on right now, and then Oz working my working my way through Oz on HBO. Um, some really sick characters in Oz, as you would expect in a, in a prison in a prison drama. Uh, but I'm enjoying it. Uh, really graphic at times, but I I, I really like it. Um, and then the news, Alex, really only one major story from uh, the past couple past couple days Jonathan Majors dropped by both his management firm and PR firm stemming from the assault charges he got last month this is not good Alex this is a a fumbling it's definitely a fumble by Majors uh, there's something deeper to this. I think his lawyer continues to maintain he's innocent and they can prove that he's innocent, but this says a lot when both your management team and your PR team got ties with you, especially a star of his caliber right now. It just seems like an indictment in the public eye, at least Alex. I remember when you and I were doing the Loki pods um, and the last episode when Majors comes out as what was he who remains? I think that was his character name. And we're like, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to dominate the MCU for years to come. And then you watch him in other stuff. Like I watched him like you watch him in more stuff than I have. But I, I you we both watch him in stuff. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this guy has so much charisma. This guy has so much talent. And. Listen, 
if these allegations are real, they're disgusting and he doesn't deserve to be a star. It's that's the fact of the matter. And he has no one to blame but himself. First and foremost, it just is a shame that, you know, someone who was so talented decided to resort to being such an awful person. I, I, I don't really have a better way to frame it, but he, you know, again, he was the hero of his own story and he messed it up. He has, he can't really blame anyone but himself here, in my opinion. No, you're absolutely right. And, and more and more people are coming forward against him uh, that he's worked with in the past. You know, this is a guy who had a big coming out party and the MCU with Ant-Man 3. Uh, great performance in Creed 3 alongside Michael B. Jordan. And now it's just... He was in a Spike Lee movie a couple of years ago, The Five Bloods. Now it's just crumbling. A lot of people are speculating Marvel's going to recast King. Just... And uh, one of the biggest falls from grace that we've had in Hollywood the past couple of years. And that is, that is saying something. There's been some pretty high profile falls from grace in the past five to 10 years. But this one, when you have a guy who has so much going for him, I mean, he's the villain in the MCU right now. Uh, and it's just not, he did it to himself. It's hard. It's hard to feel bad for him. It's hard to feel bad for the guy. Uh, when, it, when it's something like this that brings you down. But uh, exactly, there's nothing else to say about it. I mean, he did it to himself. Seems like an indictment that they're going to drop him from their agencies. So we'll see what happens. I'm sure there'll be more developments, at least with the legal aspects as time goes on. I think he's scheduled to go into court sometime in May, sometime next month. So. See what happens there. If anything big happens, we'll definitely bring it up, but stay tuned on that front. Uh, yeah, it's just real quick. No, um, not great. And I just say when his um his representation thought it was a good idea after he got arrested to release the text messages from his partner, and they very clearly came off like someone who was scared for her life if you know she said if she like actually reported him to the police that should have been like well first of all his representation was very dumb um posting that as some kind of gotcha but we all should have been like hmm then and now it's like now that his PR and his agency are dropping him if Hollywood PR and agency don't think they can save you you're screwed. You're beyond You're screwed. Like, and that's why it feels like something bigger is gonna is gonna come out pretty soon. Has to. Like, and again, we've both been saying it. He has no one to blame but himself. Absolutely no one. Yep, no one to blame but himself. Did it all to himself. Um so we'll see what happens after this uh this court date next month. But getting in to why we are here succession the honeymoon states talked about kendall a little bit alex marcia is back from milan she's taking a break from shopping 
to come to her husband's wake. What do you think about this return? I I honestly did not know if we were going to see her again. I thought we'd seen the last of Marsha. Now she's back. Seems to be lurking like a vulture uh, for her piece of of Waystar. What do you make of this return? Um. Well, I personally thought they got divorced. That's what um, I thought too. But according to her, they've been having phone calls every night. Yeah, and those that conversation between the kids was hilarious. Where they're talking about March's yeah. phone sex. <laughs> <laughs> but I like you know at the end of whenever they whenever Marsha leaves the show, um. It seemed that she was gone for good, you know, like, oh, this character is gone. But I think the vulture thing <laughs> is very applicable in this context, because where was she when Logan was alive? And now that he's dead, right. she is right back in the fold. Um, and by the way, I I will say as much as, you know, I was giving Marsha the side eye when she kicked Carrie out of the funeral that was awesome i, I was dying laughing <laughs> dying laughing another what, another what person it? i don't feel bad for carrie what did she kick her out for again was it like just her general presence or i, I don't I remember think that was it i think that was it she was also a mess you know controlling uncontrollably crying and she she really wanted to go up to the bedroom to get some stuff and they already had it ready for her they were like yeah here you go goodbye <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Like they were ready she, for her to get they knew she was and, coming. They had her stuff ready. What they did Marcia say? Out. She could take a train to the or she could they can take a cab to the subway to take her home and she'll ne- will never see her again. That was Something like so, that. Carrie has been getting dunked on all season and especially after the audition tape. That it's Carrie, just been a Probably done at Waystar. Probably done. I'd have to imagine so. The kids don't like her. Um, she was only there because Logan liked her. And now he's dead. Um, speaking of people that only Logan liked, can, can we talk about Tom? Tom, uh, a big front runner in one of these categories here. But tough. Not much happened with Tom in this episode. But he got shot on by Carl in ways that we've never seen Carl do. Carl, Carl just took he took the gloves off and just laid it down to Tom like he saw it. And he was not wrong. He was not wrong. And I liked what they did because they teased that Tom throwing his hat in the ring for CEO last at the end of last episode. And then in this episode, we find out, yeah, yeah, no, there's zero chance, zero chance of that. And it's just, it's just a joke. Yeah. And what I appreciated was just the viciousness with which Carl ripped him apart. But anytime you hear as a friend in this show, your life is about to end. Just as a general rule of thumb, if you hear as a friend or respectfully or any of those variations, um, they're about to rip your throat out. 
it's one of the beautiful things about the dialogue in the show is that they manage to say no disrespect or whatever. Like I tell you like no offense, right? Yeah. They say as a friend or, you know, with With love or whatever. It's one of the best things about the show. I'm trying to find the exact quote so I can, I didn't write the quotes down this week, but that one deserves like its own highlight. Um, Where he says, as a friend, I would say you only, basically what he said was, I would say your only hope was riding Logan's coattails. And now that he's gone, you have no friends. And also your Logan's daughter is the one you're divorcing. (laughs) Just absolutely ethers him. And basically what he did was, it was like, Carl's on the moon and Tom's a football. And he just punted Tom into like the <laughs> depths of space. And Tom just took it. I, I will say though, there was the moment with Tom and Roman. I think that's going to be our unlikely alliance. We were talking last week about like, you know, what possible alliances. I think that little moment they had where he was trying to kiss Roman's ass there. I think Roman realized he has a possible ally here. If not ally, then possible whipping boy because of Tom's vulnerable state with no allies in the company. But Tom needs, Tom needs somebody to latch onto. I don't think Tom, Tom is a latcher. He's not a leader. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a follower. He goes with the flow. Hence why he betrayed the kids, you know? Right. But Roman might be his guy. And because Kendall pretty much immediately tells him to fuck off. Yeah. Like, I don't even, it's like within five seconds, like with a, of him seeing Ken or of him seeing Ken, Ken's just like, fuck off. Like I, he doesn't even want to entertain it, but then Romans hears him out. And I, I, I think he did say at the end of the episode, I like you, Tom. Right. I think just going forward, that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Another thing to keep an eye on. Hugo is now, I think it's safe to say, Kendall's bitch. Because (laughs) Hugo is a schmuck, as we already knew. uh, Gets himself involved in some insider trading in the wake of Logan's death. And now he's coming to Kendall basically to cover his ass. He can see that Kendall's probably going to be the successor here, or at least it's lining up that way temporarily. Needs Kendall's help to prevent this from leaking. Like I said, man, Kendall, you know, Logan had the accident over Kendall. Now Kendall has this over Hugo. We're seeing following in the father's footsteps, Alex. (laughs) Well, one piece of writing brilliance I wanted to highlight, um, so you talked about the insider trading. We should probably talk about like in depth what happened there. Um, so his daughter, Hugo's daughter, who he claimed he didn't talk to, which I think is bullshit. Um, bullshit. He said that his daughter found out that Logan was dying and sold all their stocks, sold all her stocks. Um, are we led to believe based on the breadcrumbs that his daughter was the one he was reading on the phone when Kendall walked into the building absolutely 
Okay. Absolutely. So, in the beginning of that, Hugo's like, you're taking a strap on and you're fucking me in the ass. <laughs> okay. That he would be paying attention to little things like that and he would be like oh wow he would take advantage of little moments like that because at the end of the episode i think this is the very last line of the episode kendall says something to the effect of i'll take a strap on and i'll fuck you in the ass yeah. <laughs> which because he heard it he heard is the absolutely perfect writing sim- right no he heard it but when he walked in he acted like he he acted like he didn't hear it and it's such perfect writing symmetry like to, to start an episode that way and then end it it's just like chef's kiss, first of all, but also like great character development in that he was clearly paying attention and he knew like, oh, they don't think I'm paying attention, but I am. And I know everything that's going on. I also just want to say about Hugo, he has a big ass head. I think I've said that on the pod before. His head is not symmetrical to the rest of his body. It has a big head. I saw a clip. Apparently, Hugo was on Always Sunny. I never seen Always Sunny, but got to know that. Apparently, he was. Um, it's weird seeing the succession actors and other things. Like, obviously, seeing them in their big things is whatever. But then, like seeing the smaller actors and other things, it's like, huh. Um. And it's kind of the same thing, but he has like more facial hair in that. He's also wearing like a tan, a brown suit. I think it was. It's like same same exact observation. Like your head is way too big for the rest of your body. How, how tall do you think the actor who plays? What's how tall do you think the actor who plays Hugo is? I, I I think he might be like six feet at the most. I don't think he's that tall. So Fisher Stevens. Okay, we're gonna look up Fisher Stevens height. I would bet you there's not a height for him on the internet. He dated Michelle Pfeiffer in uh in the nineties. Did he really? Good yeah. for him. Yeah, good for him. Uh, I don't know how that works, but he is five seven. Go, go ahead. Five seven, yeah. So he's a shorty. Have him and uh him and Craig sit next to each other. <laughs> I think that'd be really great camera work if they were standing next to each other, because I'm pretty sure. Bra- Nicholas, Nicholas Braun's Braun like, height. He's six seven. Six seven. Six seven. Damn. Matthew McFadden six three. Damn. <laughs> Jeremy Strong height. Now we're just looking. Now this is like a. a he's five ten. Not that tall. I mean, tall for an actor, but Nicholas Braun's stands out in any scene that he's in though because he just towers over the other actors <laughs> like it looks like he's wearing stilts almost but Hugo took a lot of L's in this episode um he definitely got it I mean we we don't have to go through who got it the worst right now but I'm just gonna say it he got it the worst <laughs> he got I agree. he got taken advantage of the worst well, for that category, the, the candidates were Hugo, for all the reasons you just said, Shiv, for basically getting shut out of running the company, and then Tom, for the reasons we talked about, for getting punted into oblivion by Carl. 
But one of the reasons Shiv was shut out was this document that was found by Frank in the archives of Logan naming Kendall the successor. Now, this document undated. Uh, Kendall's name may have been underlined or crossed out. It's not clear. And it was in pencil. Was the case. And it was in pencil. It had been annotated. Uh, it looked like over time. But undated. And as we know, a lot of shit went down with Kendall and Logan, where Kendall was supposed to take over in the pilot episode. You know, did some rebelling. And I am assuming at the end of Logan's life that it was not his wish for Kendall to take over. Uh, I think it was probably Roman. He wanted Roman to take over. But Alex, hearing some theories about why why would he underline the name? Why would he underline the name? Why would that need to be underlined? It seems much more likely that he's crossing it out. Maybe. I mean... But if he crossed it out, why wouldn't he put another name in there? So... Do you want to hear my theory? And this is a theory I just came up with now. So it's not, it's probably not the most coherent, but I, I have an idea. So the end of season two, you know, the famous scene where Kendall goes to the press conference, he's going to take the bullets for the um, cruises. But then he decides at the last minute, no, I'm not going to. And he goes rogue. What does Logan do? He's not like, oh, my gosh, I'm so upset. No, Logan smiles. What if that's when he underlines Kendall's name? Because he's like, this guy has what it takes to run the company. That would be the only context in which, because otherwise Kendall has been, Kendall's schemes have gone massively belly up any other time. Now, I will say in season one, it wasn't, the first one wasn't his fault um, with him and Frank when he got caught in traffic. Um, Yeah. The second one, you know, we don't need to talk about that <laughs> at the wedding. You know, we don't we don't need oh, to yes. talk about that. Um, car under the water. I'm mean, sorry, I meant water under the bridge. Um, too soon. <laughs> no, it's been um, two years. It's fine. Um, but I think Logan appreciated what to him looked like resiliency. You know, like, oh, this guy keeps getting knocked down, but he still keeps trying and fighting. And maybe that's why he why he would have underlined it. I would tend to agree that he probably did cross it out. I don't think there's a world in which he's like, I want this guy being my successor. Um, But I think. I saw a video this week where it was paralleling. Logan's you are not serious people and you know who else said that line it was Kendall in season one to Roman he's like I love you but you are not a serious person and this show does like a lot of subtle I know and a lot of subtle callbacks I didn't even realize that Um, this was in the second episode and I think I think he sees a lot of himself. He probably thinks he sees the most of himself in Romulus. You know, I'm calling him Romulus because that's what he calls Rome. But 
I think he thinks, I think he realizes deep down that Kendall is the most like him. I think so too. Uh, I mean, I've been on here saying, I think Kendall's the most business savvy. He's probably the best businessman out of the kids. Uh, I know he's had some deals go awry, but I think he's the most like his dad in terms of, you know, I mean, we saw it at the end of this episode. It's what dad would have done. So that's what I'm going to do. And no, I'm with you. And there's some good points you made uh, about, you know, flipping it on Logan at the press conference and stuff like that. The seeds being planted for Kendall to make his ascension up, up to CEO. But no, I I liked all the stuff with the document Uh, Threw a wrench in things for sure. Uh, Ultimately leads to Shiv basically being cut out. Uh, The board members, seem to get behind Kendall and Roman as well, making them co-CEOs. Um, really, I really like that scene in, in the, in, in the office talking about that. Um, but, uh, let's get into best scene, Alex, right off the top of the episode. We have Shiv discovering she's pregnant after a phone call with a doctor who is the father? Do we think Tom is the father? I am of the belief he is not the father. Is it Nate? Is it Nate? Is it somebody we haven't seen her with? I mean, they've been separated for a while now. I, I mean, I don't think it can be Tom. I really don't. When's the last time we saw Nate? It's been a I think, while. Uh, was it the wedding? You know, we see him after that. Because Tom, yeah, Tom he, grew he some balls up. and told him off. He popped up at some point after the wedding, I think. It was because he's like, you need to get the fuck out of here. Um, but I think that we saw him at the congressional hearings. I think that's probably the last time we saw him. Yeah. Um, Sometime around then, because I don't think he showed up in season three. I don't this think Tom is the father. However, I think Shiv will try and convince him he's the father. I would not. I would not put that past Shiv at all. I would not put it past her either. Um, she's listen. She's desperate for a reason for him to stay, and I think that at this point, it'd probably be a good political move for her too, having him on her side. Honestly, I don't know why he didn't. I mean, <laughs> he did try to get Shiv back in this episode. The little speech he gave was honestly beautiful. And I'm earlier, serious, yeah. like in earlier seasons, it might have worked. But yeah. Shiv has been burned too many times, which honestly, I, I take back what I just said. I don't think she will try to like if she, she might think Tom is the father, but I don't think she'll try to go back because She's going to hold the grudge for a while. She's a Roy. <laughs> Roy's holds grudges. Well, what if it's the right move for her? What if Kendall picks Tom to be high up in the staff? Maybe it's in but her best least, interest. She's not the savviest player of the game. Like, she's not like... No, she's not. She's not someone who's like... The difference between her and 
she has like real world experience like on campaigns and stuff like as like an actual like operator in politics i would say she's good to like average to good right in terms of the politics that i'm talking about like the politics of waystar Rico, she's not well equipped for that at all like kendall and roman have been operating inside that company for a while now um Shiv never had a job there and she's listen she probably needs tom more than tom needs her at this point but i don't no, i agree i also don't think her i don't think her pride will allow her to admit that she needs tom so i think honestly she should i think politically it would be the savvy move for her to go back to tom but again she's a roy <laughs> she's not gonna And, and when is the next time we're going to see their mother? By the way, I, I don't know if she comes back. I hope not. I didn't like. I don't like their mother. Um, no, I don't think it ended very well with them and her uh, after after she agreed to basically shut them out of the company. I don't. I don't. I'm not sure they're on speaking terms. <laughs> yeah, but, on speaking you know, terms. Hey, it's it's family, so. We'll, we'll see how where Shiv goes from here. I think she's got the most open-ended future out of any of the characters because you could see, like, to bring another MCU comparison to this, you, it's like Doctor Strange when he was facing Thanos. There's so many different possibilities. And it could go good, it could go bad. I, I'm just real curious to see. Like, Kendall? Kendall's a binary, right? It's either going to go good or bad. You know, right. Roman... Roman is probably going to go good because most things end up going good for him somehow, some way. Um, I think Shiv, we, it could literally go anyway. I don't think either of us would be surprised. No, we've seen it go both ways with her before, so it would make sense for that trend to continue with her. But uh, we talked about the discussion around the document. Uh, that's probably my vote for best scene. But we also have Ken and Roman telling Shiv she won't be cut out, uh, which I think you and I both think she will be. Uh, I think it'll be a slow process, but I think she will be cut out. Uh, then we have the brothers meeting with uh, Carolina and Hugo to discuss uh, the announcement of them as co-CEOs and kind of this smear campaign. They're going to run against Logan in favor of Kendall, they're trying to bury Kendall's past controversies. Uh, so they both, both the brothers shut it down. But then Kendall, after everyone's left the room, pulls Hugo aside, says to go through with it. Alex, like we said, the full Kendall experience. You know what that reminds Like we talked, I've been bringing up Tyrion, right, with him. That was a little finger ass move, though. Doing except like we never saw little fingers schemes, right? Little fingers schemes always happen off the screen. But that was a little finger ass thing to do where like he says one thing and then immediately goes to tell Hugo to do the other thing and basically blackmails him. Um, I thought it was brilliant. I think. Kendall's right. I thought Kendall was right this whole episode. 
it is exactly what his dad would have done. Um, his dad would have been like, Logan would have been like, my dad was awful. He's terrible. That's why I'm going to be better than him. Um, and honestly, Zach, I think it's what's going to tear Kendall and Roman apart because Roman never got past the worshiping dad thing in all the seasons. Ken was over it by what the middle of season two. (laughs) Yeah. Like after he was scared straight, he was kind of over it again. Um, I think we're going to see this fracture Logan or sorry, not Logan Kendall and Roman's relationship. And I think it's going to, one of them is going to be really hurt by the other. Well, I I know who's going to be really hurt. Roman's going to be really hurt by Kendall doing this because again, his dad was horrible to him. Yeah. This, this could be a boiling point for them, a, br- a breaking point in their relationship. So I'm, I'm just really, really curious to see where they go from here. Um, Shiv, I think what the real thing is, is that Kendall, what Kendall has going for him is he's the one who's willing to face the facts. He's the one who's like, and I saw someone make that point. That's the way he's most like Logan. He's willing to face the facts. He's willing to look at what's in front of him and be like, okay, this is the situation. This is how I need to react. The other two were kind of like, like, especially like when dad was dying, right? Roman's like, come on, there has to be a way. He's still alive. He's still alive. Kendall's like, guys, he's dead. He was the, he was the one who was being pragmatic and realistic in the situation. Shiv and Shiv and Rome were like, okay, there's a chance he's still alive. But Kendall is like, guys, he's dead. We need to, you know, he planning. had the whole line yeah. about legacy, which I, right. He's way ahead of the other two. And I think that's the edge he has on them. Now, of course, <laughs> the full Kendall experience is the floor collapsing underneath him. Yeah. So that, that remains to be seen. But I, Zach, I, I real quick, I want to hear what you thought about just them cutting Shiv out and, that whole sequence when they bring them all into the room. First of all, what did you think of when they, when uh, Frank first brought Carl in there and it's like, what if we just accidentally flush this down the toilet? <laughs> I thought that was, that was hilarious. Um, I want to hear what you think about that. And then I want to hear your, just your overall thoughts on like the shift end of Roman and Kendall getting the good end of this deal. Frank and Carl, uh, I didn't think they were going to do anything with that. Uh, I do think they were kind of half serious about destroying it uh, in their best interest and in the board's best interest, but I don't think they were ever going to do anything about it. Shiv, I figured that would happen eventually, and it became pretty evident it was going to happen once things started to look like Kendall and Roman were going to be running things. Um the board doesn't have a lot of faith in Shiv for the reasons you said earlier. I mean, she didn't, she's never had a job in the company. Um, you know, she, she was on campaigns and her husband is in the, you know, pretty high up now. Yeah. She wasn't on the best terms with her dad. 
when he passed. So uh, I figured it was going to happen eventually. They said they're going to keep her in the loop. I don't buy it. Uh, I think I think she's done. R.I.P. Shiv. Uh, um, do you think now there was some Mankin talk in this episode? Do you think the way she gets her revenge is by going to work for Mankin's opponent in the race? Because we know Shiv, by far the most liberal Roy. I don't really think there is. I don't know what Kendall's political views are. Roman's political views are, I think, best described as just fuck shit up. I'd, I'd probably say that's accurate. Um, yeah. Do we think that sh- that's how Shiv maybe gets her revenge is by ruining the family's political connection to the Oval Office? It could be. Uh, it's definitely an avenue she could use using those connections, but she's running out of options here. She's running out of options here. Painting herself into a corner. I don't know. Maybe that Tom scenario is more and more likely. Go back to Tom. I just thought of a I, I thought of a wild theory. Yeah. She becomes the campaign manager for Connor. <laughs> <laughs> they get to two percent. Two percent of the vote. Maybe even ten. Hey, that might be enough to swing the election. Yeah, it could be. Maybe maybe she does that, but Connor's not giving up on that, but yeah, can, some really some really good scenes in this one. Can we also mostly mostly Kendall? Can we talk real quick? Because I don't think we're gonna have any other time to fit it in. The whole subplot of Connor buying the house from Marsha. He when he was going to ask yeah. like, for the for the house as an inheritance, that was the vibe that was going into it, right? Like I'm not crazy there. Like he was definitely going to ask for the house as an inheritance, and she just went right to selling it. Like I'm not crazy there, right? Like he was going for like, can I have the house? I think he was too. And then five seconds later, the deal is done, <laughs> and they're like, Will is like redecorating it as the wake is going on. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was, was a funny one. I think underrated part of the episode there because I mean, sixty three million for that—that that has to be downtown Manhattan, right? Like, probably prime real estate. Oh yeah, yeah, no question, no question. That has to million, be like, damn. If it hit, if it hit the open market, how much do you think that would go for? Like, probably. 150 conservatively oh boy i mean it, down, especially prime, considering who lived in it you know looks like and it's the penthouse with a ton of like a ton of space um like a whole upstairs portion that thing is huge <laughs> downtown it is manhattan with that yeah with that much space zach i've seen people on tiktok paying like two thousand dollars a month to live in like a 440 square foot apartment i can't imagine what that would go for in new york in new york i can't imagine what that would go for in like in actual real life um quick question is there a tv apartment slash house you would want to live in more (laughs) 
than Logan Roy's house. And you can't use one from this show because I'll have everything on this show is opulent. But mm. like from another show. 308 Negro Arroyo Lane. No, probably not that house. Uh, I mean, Tony Soprano's house. <laughs> Tony's house. Yeah, that one's pretty nice. That's a nice one. Uh, you, you get to live in the... I'm trying to think. What about where what about where Omar is living in season four? Probably not. Probably not. Where Bubbles is living. No. No. Oh God. King's Imagine Landing? Logan living, living there. in King's Landing. Okay. I'm assuming you're living in the castle. You are the king of Casterly Rock. Yeah, of course. Ooh, that's a good one. Casterly Rock. Uh, um Winterfell. Winterfell's. I think Winterfell's the answer. Especially during not winter. What about Castle Black? When winter has Castle come. Black. I, Castle Black looked like a dump. <laughs> come on now. It, uh, it was a dump. Nobody wants to live there. But uh, great scenes in this one. How do, rest of the categories. Alex, uh, we already did who got it the worst. Uh, Hugo, I think, by a considerable margin. But then we have the block in the back award. Uh, we have Hugo again. I, he was he was providing the insider trading. He was. Let's just let's just quit beating around the bush. He was doing that. And then we have Tom throwing his hat in the ring. Could have realistic. How many people could have realistically known about Logan dying? So, okay, let's just go through. Okay. But well, we had, know Hugo knew. Hugo was there yes. on the on the boat. Well, he was on the boat. Jerry. So, okay, let's just go through the people. So, obviously, Carrie, Frank, Carl, um, Tom, Tom. Uh, Carolina, Jerry, Hugo, and the kids. And probably Willa. And the flight attendants. The flight attendants did um, Tom's little griglets know about it? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I wouldn't think so either. Little griglets, by the way, we didn't talk about that last week. <laughs> He's like, little don't, use, don't use my name as a word, man. That was underrated line. How many um, of these Greglets do you have? <laughs> um, but I think so. We have twelve possible people before they announce it to the world. Definitely insider trading. How else would she have known? Who would have told her? Had to like, Hugo not not buying not buying his excuse that they didn't talk. Not at all. What not is Carolina going to tell Hugo's daughter? Is Carrie? Yeah, who else is going to tell Hugo's daughter, you know? No one. Is Carrie Carl... was delirious. Those are the clown. Or, uh, well, what they Chuckles call the clowns. Chuckles the clown, yeah. Ch- Chuckles the clown. Do we want but... her to help us? Ch- Chuckles the clown? Please. <laughs> Hugo winning two awards tonight. The Blocking yeah. the Back Award and the Who Got It the Worst Award. Uh... Big winner 
Got to be Kendall. Has no to be else. Kendall, Alex. Has to be Kendall. There's really no one else to talk about. Yeah, I mean, no one else really. Well, Carl also won. We'll talk about Carl, though. We have to talk about Carl like more in depth at some point. But yes, Kendall was by far the big winner. Carl's coming alive this season. Uh, I think the best is yet to come for Carl, actually. Uh, big loser of the episode. I went with Shiv. I went with Shiv. Uh, like I said, painting herself into a corner. No clear out to help herself. I have, uh, Like you said, I have no idea how it's going to end for her. It could end good. It could end very poorly. I have no no clue. Uh, she gets cut out of the little triumvirate she had with the brothers, and she knows it. She knows it. I, I to backtrack real quick to winners. We should say Roman had a pretty good episode too. Not as good as Kendall, but Roman did make out pretty. I mean, co CEO. Oh yeah, yeah he. He came out good. He came out good. Uh, I just think Kendall came out better because yes, a little more wheeling and dealing behind the scenes work, you know, like his dad would have done. Just like he said. Just like he said. But Shiv um, was Alton Lister and Roman and Kendall were Sean Kemp. Sean Kemp. <laughs> and each of them were Sean Kemp's arms while they were pointing at Alton Lister. Um, there's just repeated, repeated getting dunked on. Um, it was not a Shiv's best episode, but somehow, some way, she always wins. So she always wins somehow, some way. So my guess is, um, my guess is she bounces back, but still this episode, she has to hold the L. And then finally, the Dylan Hughes Slip in the DMs award for a cast member, crew member, or character you want to DM and ask a question to. For me, it's Carl. It's Carl. Because I want to know, how long have you been planning for Logan's death? You clearly have a plan in place. You're coming alive in ways we haven't seen from you before. What's your end game here? Are you going to go for CEO or are you going to get behind Kendall? Because Kendall's they're technically temporarily CEO. Uh, but I just want to know Carl's end game. He seems very intent on seeing this through. So I, I have two. My first is Carl. Um, my first, my question would be how much money is he paying to keep Balco alive? Because he's taking Barry Bond steroids this year. I mean, my goodness. Um, just absolutely 460-foot bombs into McCovey Cove. Just absolutely. I don't know what's got... The writers have just decided that Carl's like the character of this season. Every year, it feels like they decide one of the old people is the character of that season. One of the seasons, it was Jerry. One of the seasons, it was Frank. This season, it's Carl for some reason. I mean, Carl... I think I said this last week, but at the end of season two, he was having a panic attack when they were having when they were in the uh, terrorist attack. 
Um, yeah, he was. And this season, he's been like the most competent executive in addition to the funniest character. Why did they like Carl so much now? <laughs> I don't understand. Um, I don't know either. That's what I'm asking. Like, why, why, why are you coming alive now, man? At the, in the home stretch. Well, I think we're on the floor, did a number on, on his confidence, and then we see it slowly build back <laughs> up. And now he's now Logan's dead. He can finally, he doesn't have to censor himself anymore. I think that's the actual logistical reason. Like, it, it makes sense in the context of the show. Um, but still, Barry Bond steroids for Carl. Um, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, he's taking all the steroids. I think Carl went and bought all the steroids in the world and is taking them all himself. WWE is looking for a new steroid dealer because Carl bought them all himself. Um, did Dalco. I say that? Dalco. Um, in my other DM, I'm going to slip a DM to Uncle Ewitt. Ah. What is he thinking right now? He, I think, is going to be a very pivotal character. Like, we saw Stewie. We didn't talk about this. Stewie came back in kind of a big way in this episode. Stewie and Sandy. And Sandy. By the way, (laughs) real quick aside. Real power move from Sandy naming his daughter, in essence, Sandy Jr. Except changing one letter. (laughs) Um, Just, this show does, like, the small things like that so well. And that's just one of them. Because only a rich, crazy person would do that. And just a crazy, just a crazy good detail from the succession writers. I digress. Uncle Ewan. He's probably like, he's a, he is a member of the board. We haven't heard from Uncle Ewan since he gave Greg's inheritance to Greenpeace. Right? That's the last time we heard from Uncle Ewan. Um, and fuck Greenpeace. Fuck Greenpeace. <laughs> <laughs> um, not my views just the views of uh, one Greg Hirsch um, I'm very curious to see what you and things of this and like what I guess my DM would be what is your opinion on the situation how are you going to vote you know down the line do, who do, do you back any he doesn't like any of the kids no, he so he'll probably he'll probably hate Kendall I think that's already apparent after what Kendall tried to do to Logan in season one. But I like that pick. Uncle Ewan, he's been off the off the radar for a while. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what. Maybe he shows up. At, at, I'm guessing there's going to be a funeral at some point. So maybe he shows up uh, for that. But good DMs, Alex. Uh, another good episode in the books. <laughs> What do we have to plug? We got the playoffs. Yes, we do. Um, Lynn Sanity just went up during this episode. I got, I'm going to tweet it out like probably as soon as we're done here. Um, it was you, obviously Caleb and Bryce, and then Devin joined for this episode, correct? That's what Small I heard. Small Market King joined us to celebrate, uh, you know, Cleveland, Milwaukee, the small markets in the East. Exactly. And then, you know, you just have to ignore the other two that are going to be playing in the 2-3 matchup, which are the probably two biggest markets in the Eastern Conference. But, we, you know, we can talk about that later. Um, Western Conference Division, I got JD and I are coming out of our slumber finally. Um, this podcast was much easier to organize in the Power Hour because of my schedule. 
but JD and I are going to be recording tomorrow during Hawks Celtics because why 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 bother watching that game? We're going to be talking about the series in the West so far. Zach, um, I know the ser- the West first round has been kind of crazy so far, and I know the craziest series has been Wolves Nuggets, and I know that's the series you have the most opinions. <laughs> oh, in all you knew it was gonna be a barn burner series. You knew it. You knew it. Hey, of course, of course. We got we. I didn't watch the game. We got Bubble Murray back last night. It looks like forty piece, forty points, forty piece. Um, my fantasy hey, point he guard. He needs someone season. on the other team. <laughs> he just needs someone on the other team to go for forty. I think Jamal Murray. Just hot take. I'm gonna say this on the Power Hour. As well, but I think Jamal Murray is like, if his back is against the wall, he just does extremely well. I don't know how to explain it. It's, there's no science or statistics behind it. We saw it in the playoffs two years or, yeah, three years ago at this point. When his back's against the wall, he just plays extremely better, and he's not like a regular season guy. player. Yeah, he's got that dog in him. Um, but do you have any opinions on any of the other Western Conference series? Because I know they're there's some fascinating ones. Uh, I do think uh, the Kings Warriors series is a wrap. Um, the Warriors have been down in series before, but they've never been down 2-0. And I think this Kings the Kings are just better. Having Mike Brown is a really massive advantage, and I think having Harrison Barnes is a big advantage. And the Warriors have just decided not to play defense anymore. Uh, Jordan Poole has decided to suck in every fashion of the game, every facet of the game. He he doesn't. I have a lot of feelings on Jordan Poole now uh, that I didn't have last year, and he he's been a big disappointment through the first two games. And they really need him to step up tonight. He's starting tonight, Alex. They just announced he's starting tonight in place of Draymond. Uh, but, you know, their best defensive player is gone due to suspension. Bryce Shaddy will continue to defend that he shouldn't have been suspended. My defense is don't kick people in the balls. Don't shove people. Don't stomp people. That's my defense. Uh, but no, I think good for the Kings, man. I think there's a path for the Kings to get to the West Finals. I placed a little bet on them to win the West at like plus a thousand. And the other series I like is Clippers Suns. Kawhi out tonight. That sucks. Um, but I think Suns Suns Kings, if we could get that at some point, that would be very, very fun. I'm just gonna say, and I'm not the first one to make this point. Um, and I'll I'll elaborate more on it tomorrow because tonight will be very telling. Again, Kings Suns. Or King, <laughs> Kings Warriors is about to start. Um, I think the Warriors aren't attacking the rim enough. And I think they're relying, like, every year Chuck was always like, oh, jump shooting teams can't win in the playoffs. Or any jump shooting teams can't win in the playoffs. And this year, they're actually a jump shooting team. Like, Steph, they can't guard Steph. I don't know why he's not attacking the rim. I mean, I know why he's not attacking the rim every time. He's 35 years old. You don't think of Steph as 35 years old, but he is 35 years old. He can't do that all the time. But they need to get at the rim. And I think I like the Kings a lot. 
I think that's playing right into the King's hands of not having a great rim protector and having dogs on the perimeter um, to give them a lot of credit. You know, it's a matchup sport. And if they're playing right into your hands, then <laughs> that's all the better for you. Right. So, yeah. And the Warriors. Well, great have, great right. stuff coming in the playoffs. Like, is it the end of the era? Alex for the Warriors. If, it has to be, man. Listen, how long were the Bulls together? How long were the Lakers together? How long were the Celtics, like the 80 Celtics together? And when I said Lakers, I mean, both, both renditions of the Lakers were only together for about the 80s Lakers were together for about 10 years before Kareem retired. The Shaq Kobe Lakers were together for about eight years. Um, these things have shelf lives. Draymond has been there for 10. Draymond, Stephen Clay have been teammates for 10 years. I think it's time. Draymond's going to be a Portland Trailblazer next year. Um, it's going to be weird. Hey, man, those pin those pinwheels will look good on hit with the number 23. <laughs> it's going to be weird, but Alex, thanks for joining me on Disgusting Brothers. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll have Mando finale next week, too. Uh, and check out the other pods on the network, folks for NBA playoff action. And as always, thank you very much for listening.